out there my little academy award nominations and welcome to another episode of anime was not a mistake where we are not watching anime yet again yet again i am joined as always by my co-host uh just a simple humble slime dealer dan ryan Mm. and i'm jonathan kwiatkowski and dan have you ever thought about dying i thought about dying a lot (laughs) Uh, are, are, are you it's what is the, this in it's relation the Nicole Kidman uh, how she was on the set with what's her face oh yeah and, yeah and she's like how what, what what was it like working in these movies and she's like oh I guess we, we are a pro Nicole Kidman podcast yes I, it's her time now she'll be yeah. presenting at the Oscars tonight and we'll be presenting on this uh, two weeks later than we should well a week later it, well uh, again right right off the start I, I have to put out yet another PR correction mm-hmm uh, because I disgraced to myself in Gotti, the the episode that will be going up on Oscar Sunday already. Up. Um, yeah. you know, trying to dissect the language of film, fitting for when it goes up mm-hmm. throughout the episode, uh, last week's episode or whenever this is this is airing. Um, I frequently joked about the number of lamps that appeared in the background of Gotti's shots. Yeah. Uh, because there were a lot. There were a lot of lamps all over the place, even in spots where lamps didn't need to be. Uh, the point of that, because film is a visual medium, mm-hmm. you see. We know that. Yeah, yes. we, we know that. We yeah. all know that. And this is an audio medium. <laughs> uh, it, it was implied at the end of the movie that the lamps were usually bugged uh, by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So in order to subtly communicate that to the audience... There's usually a lamp in the background of dialogue. <laughs> we just gave scene. him a shit ton of lamps. But we were so just exhausted by yeah, the end of I... that film that I completely forgot to even explain that joke. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are listening to these, God help you one after the other, you know, then then that's that that's that's the lore behind that. Mm. I, I I sincerely apologize for forgetting that. Well, you know, our fans were at your throat already. They wanted your head, Dan. Well, Honestly, I wanted to make sure it was done right, because, you know, in terms of Gotti, if there was ever a film that we would watch on this podcast (laughs) where, like, the angry studio behind the film would would, come after us, yeah, you know, they're monitoring the feeds to see what's said about the film, it would be Gotti. So, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure everything was accurate, at Mm -hmm. least. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but... Anyway, your show, your news. I have nothing, (laughs) aside from the video game epic that I went on last night. 
due to the the time switching over, which I think daylight savings time is kind of a redundant thing to have nowadays. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll get rid of that. But uh, I was up, I was up, and uh, I played some Fire Emblem. I finished those paralogues. I got all my uh, DLC bracelets. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now I can play the regular game proper. And I'm almost done with Xenoblade. I'm in the final area. I got all the upgraded final uh, super weapons. I did all of the pre-post-game side quests. Mm -hmm. So... It's the end of an era. It is. Yeah. But luckily you have like seven other games that that do need to yes, be Yes, I see to. a lot of people playing Octopath Traveler 2. I think that's going to be the next one after, of course. Yeah, you know, other things. Don't forget Metroid Fusion. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it's back. It is. Yeah. I've been playing the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. Love that game. Yeah, great game. Well, I think that was my first Metroid. I think it was Prime and then that, but they came out around the same time. Yes. And I, I was like, ooh, who's this Metroid everyone's been talking about? Picked up Fusion, and what a snack. What a delightful game. Yeah, she fight aliens and doesn't <laughs> afraid of anything. So. She in blue suit, and you get to fight Sax? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dark Samus. Yeah. Well, not Dark Samus. No, no, not that. Other Dark Samus. Sax, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah. I, I, I actually have some news. Oh, yeah? Anime news. <laughs> um, Be my I guest. started something on Netflix uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost instantly fell in love with it. Uh, it is Mononoke. Ah. Uh, the new anime that went up on Netflix, not to be confused with Princess Mononoke, but obviously the, you know, the reference to spirits is still there. Um, you've probably seen pictures of it going around, even if you haven't directly, like, engaged with it. Like, a lot of people were retweeting about it because it's animated like a Japanese painting. Mm. Like a paper with, like, paint over it, uh, you know... Just, just mm-hmm. every frame of painting, yeah, like it's like that. reminiscent of those styles. Yeah, you know the, the movements are kind of very deliberate. Like they'll cut between shots, and characters will have moved because, like you know, movement is a very deliberate choice, and it is just beautiful. It is a gorgeous show. I have not seen anything else like it. And you know, the main thing. Um, if there's any fans, uh, listening to this podcast who were into, like, Mushishi, do yes. you remember that back in the oh, day? Oh, I remember. It's, uh, it may be closer than you think. I was tempted to bring Mushishi to the podcast. As, as I have been oh, a few times, wouldn't too. Wouldn't have but... that been an unlikely thing if both of us had Mushishi, the bots. But similar, I, I, it seems like the, the vibe is similar in that you, you have a mysterious main character who is traveling around and he exercises... Uh, these Mononoke, uh, which are, you know, corrupted versions of, like, uh, the the Ayashi, like, the, mm-hmm. the regular spirits that inhabit the world, which are innumerable, mm. but when some of them get overloaded on negative human emotions and grudges and things like that, they turn into these Mononoke, which yeah. uh, you know, quite, it seems like a few of them correlate to, you know, Japanese yokai, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, obviously... Between some of the series that we've engaged with, Yokai don't get a lot of chances to flex their horror mm-hmm. muscles. Like, mm-hmm. I think even, like, the Edo stuff is usually original Twilight Zone-esque horror scenarios. But the Yokai themselves don't get to don't get to show their chops. This show so far has been very brutal and, and upfront with, like, the horror that those Yokai represent. In fact, I'd say if you're squeamish, the the first two episodes are probably fairly difficult to get through. Mm. Um, but that makes it effective horror okay. because it's it's so very, it is a horror series. Yes, okay. it is it is like very um, 
terrifying circumstances set against the backdrop of this painting come to life with extremely vibrant colors and like mm. disorienting sets mm. and uh, i'm loving it so it. far i'll have to check yeah. it out it, it, i didn't uh, even know this was a thing highly recommended mm. i i meant to bring it up last week but i the name escaped me mm. um and also i think deer king came out yeah uh, yeah i think you mentioned that last week and i confused that because <laughs> prince the guy who made princess mononoke worked on that movie yeah. so it was a whole thing You're but just getting old then sincerely recommend mononoke mm-hmm. so uh, hi uh, we're probably gonna bring it to the podcast at some point i think it's pretty short mm-hmm. um but it plays out in kind of a uh stage play type style my favorite you know like in terms of it's like interstitials and things like that and it seems to it seems to generally be the case that every batch of like two episodes or three episodes is a a self-contained story like an advent another adventure for this mysterious medicine merchant Mm. who is the main character um but yeah definitely check it out Mm. if you wish yeah i will sounds great glowing praise mm-hmm. uh i got one other it was an adjacent thing i i'm almost done with all the majority of the oscar watches last night i popped on triangle of sadness mm-hmm. and i thought it was good uh it's not my favorite eat the rich movie that's come out in recent memory it is good the second half is where it shines um i would say it's a it's a fun little romp about mm-hmm. uh rich people on a yacht and uh how their overindulgence and their hedonism is their doing yes yep I, I did hear I did hear good things about it, and I I did hear that it doesn't exactly go the way that you no. would think. It no. kind of is a twist on the eat it rich thing, yeah. and kind of turns into like a humans in general are pretty bad type mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> That's I don't, all uh, I got. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say I had any other news, well, we but can have a shorter episode. We've had three or four long ones back to back to back. Because I've been tempted to see a few movies lately, mm-hmm. and and very much untempted to 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 you know not watch some movies. Yeah. We got the final uh, Mario movie trailer. We did. Yeah, looks good. Yeah, it's fun. Coming out sooner than you may think. Yeah, yeah really. Well, a lot of stuff is coming out sooner than I might think. Mm-hmm. None of which I'm going to go see. But no. Shazam is coming <laughs> out soon, and our gal Godot is is. <laughs> Is in the trail like they ruined that like they spoiled that she makes a cameo because oh. I think that they're desperate to get people to go see it. Yeah, um, and yet she would be the one to get the people to see it. I mean, there are probably Wonder Woman 1984 fans. I a I thousand guess. more, a thousand times more after our episode on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're in the dozens. Yeah, but that's happening. Ant Man and the Wasp has been out for a few weeks. I have not seen it, mm. although TikTok basically has. Like, I've watched the entire movie on TikTok because people just keep posting scenes from it. Mm. Um, not really in a rush <laughs> to go check it out. <laughs> You're not? Um, but Mandalorian has been good. Mm. Season 3 started, I think, two weeks ago, and that has, in my opinion, been solid. All I know is in the trailer, Amy Sedaris goes, It's the child! Or something yeah. like that, and it sent me to the movie. Yeah, she, no, she's, she seems to be sticking around yeah. as, like, a regular cast member, yeah. and she's, she's best friends with Grogu, so... Uh. But they they introduced like a uh, a big stupid like grass covered Bigfoot space pirate hmm. who I think will become a fave of yeah. mine. I've never seen anything like him in Star Wars. He seems to be like <laughs> rendered mostly through a practical effect, hmm. so that's pretty cool. Oh. But um, 
if I may, of course. in terms of a tangent, yeah, why not? Um, I, 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 I was working diligently this week mm-hmm. on, you know, prepping some stuff for, you know, the Topaz and Lapis art project. And actually saw Dan's homework, too. I was like, oh, yeah. he's doing a good job over there. And um, one of the things I did, aside from sending you Mons for approval, uh, and more coming, mm-hmm. the, uh, the main bulk of this week was just finalizing our map. And I sent you, like, a very crude, not final framework of mm-hmm. what the map is going to be look like, shaped like. It's gigantic, so when I draw the map by hand, <laughs> it's probably going to be split into, like, yeah. halves. You'll need to get out the scroll and shoop it across the table to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll, it'll have to be, like, northern half and southern half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been going through, I've been making pun names for all of them. Oh, and some of them... I don't know if Dan deserves praise or the death penalty after some of them, but... I was going for both. Yeah. I was going for, for writing that razor's edge between yeah, and terrible and, and okay. And I think you hit it just right, Dan. And there's you so... gave me a groaner, but then I went... <laughs> there's so many more that I haven't even sent along to you yet. Oh. Um, but uh, as per the Charizaka city that is at the center of the map... Don't I've, speak its name. <laughs> I figured, you know, we'll, we'll integrate the other... Canto starters for nostalgia purposes. Uh, so I made the Safari Zone city Venustown, mm-hmm. and then I I was like, how the fuck am I going to integrate Blastoise's name into a location? Mm-hmm. Simplest thing, Blastoise Tower. <laughs> it is going to be like a naval oh, uh, that's cool. marine yeah. tower with like cannons and yeah. shit. And, that is and then t- you can live your One Piece fantasy. No, exactly. Because <laughs> we got to do anime references. Yeah. But it will, be, it will be Team Lithium's ocean base mm-hmm. that they're like disguising as like a, like a Coast Guard station. Mm-hmm. And that will be where you get access to the underwater parts where we have our Big Daddy... Um, go lurk and everything mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. you'll you know you'll get some like rapture gooberness oh. while you explore under the ocean yeah. uh so i figured that fits for that um be the beedrill dan be the beat no <laughs> that'll be that'll be in there um but then uh, i also realized because i'm so bad with geography that some of the cities didn't map one-to-one it's fine no okay. no it is and they, they never st- they seldom do they still don't yeah. but i i did you know, so in order to fill some of the space on the map, I added a Haunch Home, which Ooh. is Oklahoma City. Oh. Uh, because Oklahoma City, I don't know how the Oklahomans feel about it. That means but in your universe, there's going to be a musical called Haunch Home. Yes. Exactly. With an exclamation point, so Haunch Home. But but <laughs> Oklahoma, and again, I don't know how the residents of Oklahoma City feel about their modern art, but there is... In Oklahoma City, a big, stupid, spiky sculpture that mm-hmm. looks like... It's like the Skydance Bridge, and it mm-hmm. looks like a honchcrow, so I'm like, that's all the excuse I need. <laughs> Done. Put it there. I'm also... I also... We're gonna do a little tiny, uh, maybe like, Fortree Town mm-hmm. based off Little Rock. Okay. Uh, that provides access to what I'm calling the Garnet Wilds. Wow. Because our Bigfoot will be hiding there you seem to have thought this through uh i moved because it was in the completely wrong fucking spot i moved the hoover dam (laughs) over to the where our las vegas is Mm -hmm. um and we'll make a joke that like the dam is required to power all of the electricity that that city wastes Mm -hmm. um and then you know i gave like the jaguar a dedicated lore zone right there okay 
In order to give the northern half of the map a little more pop, I took, like, White Rock and some of the other mountains in that area, and there's gonna be a big stupid mountain above the northern half called Nostalgia Peak. Oh, great. Which will, yeah. you know, you'll you'll access it via... Oh, that'll hidden, be memed by the gamers there. Hidden yeah. Gem yeah. Cave, and then you'll get up to Nostalgia Peak, and you we can figure out something to stick on there, but... Uh, lots of other stuff like that. I added Raekwador, as I said, because uh, it, it's like an equal, equidistant point. Yeah, and we between... can have a fun little sign that has Rayquaza yeah. being the equator line. Things like... Step over the Rayquaza thing. Exactly. One foot in each side. And, uh... uh ride the Rayquaza. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, it's... Oh. So it's, it's getting, it's getting filled out. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, what was it? Oh... Uh, Numalot, because I realized... <laughs> Numalot! <laughs> because the city that we have representing Odessa, uh-huh. there's a lot of desert in between, you know, like like a lot of like desert cities and communities that are in between where Odessa is and where the coastline leading to Baja is. So I put I put a stupid dry, dry desert right there, mm. and then Numalton will be... Or Numalot, I'm sorry, will be, will be at the end there. And then I figured... In terms of maximum reference, the, the Wendigo can have, like, a stupid Skull castle that only appears in the desert after you've done certain things. So mm-hmm. that, you know, that tracks with that. Um, but yeah, it, it'll, it'll be fun to draw. It'll yeah. give it, give us more biomes to work with. I'll be coming to you for more As always. prompts. Mm-hmm. But unironically, in the course of doing the research for this, there's a lot of uh, pretty interesting animals that we haven't even gotten to like well, show per- me an animal and i'll think of something peru for instance has like a spectacled bear huh. um that i think we could turn into something interesting i yeah. uh, you know in the process of looking over what each you know place is known for there's a lot of like national birds and things like that that we could probably make some interesting stuff off of mm. um but i'll be coming to you for uh, the, the spectacle bear thing was was the yeah first i i have an image in my mind already but um but yeah you know and other than that i got the i got i started work on the new type logos trying to give them a little more anime flair mm-hmm. uh streamline them so Just that they're consistent about you know throughout all of them Probably gonna give the starters and some of the older gym leaders newer artwork to match with everything. Because uh, I'm trying to up the quality a little bit. But mm. but yeah, I, I obviously would implore you for more prompts, if you have any. Try to keep them themed to the area, but also keep them anime-themed. Because okay. I think that's a that's a fun aspect of what we, uh, what we do here. Okay. So um, I know I still have to work on our future versions, too. Or our, our sci-fi Cryptid, yeah. Cryptids, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's also the decision as to whether or not... I mean, we can... We'll talk about this eventually, but, like, whether or not we're counting, like, the Loch Ness Monster as future or past. Mm-hmm. Um, what traits the lol kind of have in common. Um, that kind of thing. Okay. But uh, th- that'll be that'll be a discussion to have on a, on a future installment. But mm-hmm. I just want to let you know, now that this is kind of figured out, we know what routes we're working with. We know what areas we're working with. Like it's just a matter of just designing the mons and the characters now. So mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be fun. All right. Yeah. Well, with that, you can't talk about your way out of this one, Dan. No, I can't. <laughs> you gave me punishment last week. It's time to take your lumps this week, Dan. 
<sighs> I figured. So welcome to Sinister Six, where Dan and I watch some bad, good movies, uh, ranging from so bad it hurts to, you know, just plain bad. Mm-hmm. And we comment on that uh, every six or so episodes of our little humble anime podcast, because we like an outlet, too. Yes. We love pain. We love we causing do. pain. Yeah. We love giving pain. We love taking pain. I'm going to really try to up the fun factor. Oh. I'm going to try to. You said fun, but my pot is sizzling with fun today. Um, Mm -hmm. I am sticking close once again to the tropes of classy, cheesy, and trashy. Each one of these films embodies each one of those tropes. So you'll have three to pick from. One has been stewing in there since right after Popeye. Still waiting for that one to get picked. Who knows? It's just the luck of the draw. But uh, I can genuinely say that my pot this week is extremely fun for me. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> You'll probably like two of them. Uh, one of them you won't like, and that's the long two and a half hour one. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll but see. we did watch Gotti last week, so I think I deserve this little treat for myself. Yeah. No, you do. You, yep. you really do. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I've got plenty more to come. I've got lots waiting in the wings to take any one of these positions. And it's odd, based on Gotti and some of our choices, how similar our picks are mm-hmm. without telling each other. I think we we can curate a nice little Sinister Six season here. You know, it, no, it is fate. It hmm. is fate. Yeah. Hmm. Well, without further ado, Dan, dare ye reach into bad <laughs> movie this, bag? This pod is sizzling like mm, chilies fajitas. This, and I have restricted myself to code names as well. But mm. I dare you to read my writing. Most can't. <laughs> okay, mixed it up. Picking the slip out. Oh, choose wisely, Dan. <sighs> Poor Fool, He oh. Makes Me Laugh, 2004. Well, Dan, you picked the two and a half hour one. I knew I would. I knew I, I would. And I didn't stack the deck or anything. But it is topical, Big, that we just returned from the Great White Way. Mm-hmm. It is time, Dan, for you to don your half-masquerade mask. Oh, yes. And watch the movie version of some, what some may call, the greatest musical of all time. But I certainly don't. We're watching The Phantom of oh, the no. Opera. I'm fucking excited for Joel this. By Joel Schumer. Mocker, nonetheless. I, no, you. Oh. there's no need to fill me with dread. I'm excited for this. You say that now, <laughs> but it is a painful film, Dan. So take ye and look at the DVD box. It's a movie that I haven't even deigned to buy on Blu-ray Ooh, yet. Widescreen edition. Oh, God. And, uh... Phantom of the Opera. Somehow, a lot of my friend group members, despite me being really into theater, really haven't seen Phantom, which has been on Broadway since the 80s. I don't know how familiar you are with the subject material, aside from the Lindsay Ellis video and other things, but it's been around for a while. Yeah. So I don't know how familiar you are with the tropes, the storyline, the characters, the original Gaston Leroux novel. Well, I think I went on a deep dive after that Lindsay Ellis video into looking stuff up about it. And obviously I've seen a lot of the songs because I do, you know, I do dabble in my free time and, and a lot of that stuff. But if I do need extra information, uh, this DVD is old enough that it says to include the AOL keyword, The Phantom of the Opera. There we go. So hop and, on the internet. Well, that could be a choice <laughs> from Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> like, that's still how that's he kind of reacts yeah, to. Yeah. He might still think people use AOL. Yeah. yeah. And it, hit on the dial-up and just go <sighs> and check out The Phantom of the Opera. I can't believe you picked this. That that one movie has been stewed in there still and it will stay there since. But this does I open the door was... for me to pick many more bad musicals to come. So I'm very happy for me and very sad for you. But 
here we go. Here's a little bit of a, a detailed uh, list about facts and figures from The Phantom of the Opera. So this is a film from 2004 mm-hmm. based on the 1986 musical of the same name, which is based on the 1910 Gaston Leroux classic novel La Phantom de l'Opera. Yes. Uh, it's produced and co-written by Lloyd Webber, so you know it's gonna be bad. <laughs> this is the man that brought us Cats, and the man who, in his cocaine heyday, gave us good musicals like Avida and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. What about Starlight Express? I knew you were gonna bring up Starlight Express. We accept that because that gave us Jane Krakowski on Broadway. Mm-hmm. That was one of her first Broadway roles as Dinah the Dining Car. Of course, so, yes. Without <laughs> Where, that, where's that movie? <laughs> Uh, Sunset Boulevard has gotten a lot of uh, heat lately because it just got revived at the Kennedy Center and Glenn Close wants to make a movie version so she can finally win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, But that musical, also very boring. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the Andrew Lloyd Webber train. He is all about show and spectacle and lengthy stories that don't really age that well nowadays. You don't go to see an Andrew Lloyd Webber show to think. You go to see an Android Webber show to be entertained, scared, or maimed by the performance. That's the vibe I get. Yes. Uh, it's directed by Shul- Joel Schumacher, who needs no introduction. No. Dan knows this man. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah very much so. Batman and Robin. Batman Forever. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. The nipples on the bat suit. The man who brought us that. Yeah, but that's not even... That doesn't even make my top ten worst no. superhero movies at this point. So I... It is what it is. He... Joel Schumacher actually... He, he was, he's very transparent, he was very transparent about that stuff. He was like, yeah, they paid me to make a toy commercial. So props to him for admitting to that. Yes. <laughs> uh, the budget of this film was 70 to 80 million dollars, and it had a worldwide gross, not a worldwide, I don't know if this is local or whatever, the, the box office was 154.6 million. So, it was a commercial success, mm-hmm. but Phantom has been that. You saw how recently, inspiring me to put it in the pot because I thought it would be closed on Broadway at this point, yes. I put it in the pot the week after Andrew Lloyd Webber brought it back to Broadway. And he did so outside of, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I remember the Phantoms Theater? I'll, I'll get to that later. But outside the Majestic, mm-hmm. he had a DJ set where he was in the booth with the headphones on, scratching records, remixing the Phantom of the Opera score for the acclaim of passerbys in New York City. How did how did that one slip past me? That, oh. that... And it was really topical if you had chosen this about six months ago. What? Since we have put this movie in the bag, Phantom has announced its closing, which got extended into a, a foreseeable, it's probably not closing now, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of legend and hearsay was that... Uh, uh, Lloyd Webber wanted to bring bad Cinderella and didn't want them competing, but then realized, oh, people love Phantom, and I can get them to see this bad show that's just a few blocks away as well, and get double the money and All right, have two well, shows running at once. You mean this bad TM show, like yes. not this bad show? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I know you're still meant. out on that one, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's still on Broadway, and it's a staple. The set is creaky, the set is old, and this movie version is not good in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It does a lot of things that work in the stage show are just that. They're designed for the stage. They do not translate well to film, in my opinion. That is one of the reasons why I am excited to to go over this movie with you, because I, you know, regardless of what we've watched on this podcast, I don't think you've gotten to flex your power level in terms of (laughs) theater stuff. Oh, I could sing the entire score for you, and I will. So, I'm interested to see, like, your 
takes on why things don't translate the way they should. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm... Because I, I don't know... I, I want you to... In terms of Frieza, I mm. want you to kind of, like, hit that final yeah. form today to try to, to you know, demonstrate mm-hmm. your awe-inspiring power. Literally so. everything I know about theater has been culminating <laughs> to this moment. And I can't wait to tell you. So, uh, the film stars, notably, Gerard Butler as the Phantom Eric. Of course. Who else... He cannot sing. No, I know, yeah. <laughs> he has one of the worst voices. I just remember Javert also in Les Mis, how mm-hmm. they gave him more roles. Oh. Yeah. Poor Gerard. Well, not poor Gerard, poor our eardrums. Wasn't uh, that Russell Crowe? Yeah, Russell Crowe, same difference. They both can't <laughs> sing. Saying. They both have bands. It's fine. You get them confused. Uh, Emmy Rossum as Christine Daae. Mm-hmm. Extremely young in this film. We get Patrick Wilson. Everyone loves him. Yeah. As Raoul de Chagny, the Vicomte de Chagny. Of course. <laughs> and then we have Minnie Driver as Carlotta. I mm-hmm. have to mention her because she is the saving grace of this film. And she knows it. She says, I know I'm the best part of the Phantom movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's chewing the scenery. She's having fun as the prima donna on stage. Uh, and, you know, we like to see that. We like to find the joy where we can in this film. Of course. Uh, it's the biggest musical uh, since 1989, but Lloyd Webber's life uh, kind of held it up, you know. We we just... It, it's had a long run on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Like, this is probably the top show. Tourists come see this. It's been running forever. It's a staple when you think of Broadway theater. It's been memed and... No, yeah, yeah. in terms of pop culture osmosis, like, I think this is probably one of the most referenced, you know, with a few exceptions... I, everyone's familiar with it to some extent. Maybe yeah. Cats has been parodied more, yeah. but yeah. Both very commercially successful musicals, though. Uh, originally, for The Phantom, we wanted another music man, Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wolverine himself. And I don't know how that would have done, but uh, Lloyd Webber decided we're going to go with Gerard Butler, even though he has no musical experience. Give him a chance, yeah. And uh, I guess that didn't pay off. Uh, as for casting Christine Daae, some other notables were thrown around, including Katie Holmes and Anne Hathaway, who might have been better choices. Uh, but Emmy does a, a fine job. We do she's support given. Anne Hathaway yeah, on the. Yeah. We have we we have expressed Annie support. Hathaway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's got those New Jersey. <laughs> she did win the Oscar for Les Mis. Yeah. So you know maybe that was a for the best. Yeah. And then an interesting point that I wanted to put on, I have our cringe corner on the back of this. Um, if you look closely in this film, there's a cameo by one of Lloyd Webber's favorite phantoms, Ramin Kalu, who mm-hmm. is just on Broadway in uh, Funny Girl. I think he's opening the phantom uh, production in Italy this year with like a new staging. Mm-hmm. He's just a super, um, super recognizable phantom. And I want you to remember that name. Because in our Sinister Six, somewhere down the line, he's going to show up again. Okay. Adjacent to this film. Okay. Mm, I don't want to give too many clues away, but I think you could connect the dots with that. Um, he sings very well, mm-hmm. but he has a cameo as Christine's dead father. Okay. <laughs> so blink and you miss him. And he's un- under so much old age makeup, you probably wouldn't even know. Okay. But I-, I just thought that was an interesting thing. Uh, it's Academy Award nominated in 2004 for Cinematography, Art Direction, uh, Best Original Song, Learn to Be Lonely, which is not included in the original Broadway score. You mm-hmm. know, whenever you have a movie version, you got to put in a few new songs so you can put it up for Oscars. Yeah, Beautiful Ghosts, of course. Yeah. Beautiful Ghosts. <laughs> You know, I don't know if I should wish that uh, we were watching Cats again, or I should be thankful we're not watching Cats again at this point. Yeah, we can't. I'm gonna need your comparison for which one's better and which one's worse, so dig through the annals of your mind. Certainly. Uh, Cringe Corner is short, but... uh... 
I need to show something first, this movie, before I show the next thing mm-hmm. in this legacy. And that's, yet again, tying in with those hints. Uh, something that I want you to pay attention to. Uh, just the general plot versus all the hype. Uh, it's a stupid plot. Mm-hmm. It does not age well. There's a lot of woman roles in this that come off a bit cringy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Eric the Phantom comes off as a very obvious incel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is not a good thing to root for. And why people root for him, I just don't know. He's supposed to be that tortured artist type, but it comes across that he's just a douchebag living under the Paris Opera House <laughs> in the in the catacombs. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, nap time, the movie. <laughs> you might fall asleep during this. It is not exciting, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm interested to see it. This is this is a famous mess. Uh, so tons of hammy acting abound mm-hmm. throughout this film, and then lastly. He needed a star on his own in the cringe quarter. Butler's singing. It's not good. It's just mm. screaming. It's uh, yelling. From the clips I've seen. You little yeah. Pandora! <laughs> it's basically taking Dumbledore's Who Put Your Name in the Goblet of Fire mm-hmm. and extending it out through a four, full score. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's cringe Avant-garde, corner. Yeah. yeah, cringe corner for Phantom of the Opera. Dan, what do you know of the Phantom of the Opera? Um, again, just the the Lindsay Ellis video, other assorted video essays, <laughs> songs that I've listened to. Um, again, I, I mean, just by its own existence, I feel like as a regular person, I've I've gotten a lot of you know, I've learned a lot about this. Similar to how you know people could could absorb stuff about. Like the Godzilla movies that I bring without ever having seen one, I I feel like a lot of tropes from Phantom have been parodied and referenced in a lot of places. Yeah. Um. But again, I mean, my main thing with this is that I'm interested to see your breakdown as to how it, you know, <laughs> as to why. And in some ways, I think it does spiritually parallel with with Gotti, unironically, because it's They're like both masterworks. <laughs> well, it's like how <laughs> do cinema. you how do you translate a uh, uh like a biography into an entertaining dramatized story that's and a what musical you, like where Which you can there are many yeah. bio biopic musicals but uh and like what goes wrong in the transfer process mm-hmm. i think would be would be the theme for this yeah. uh, this duo here yeah. but I, i'm just interested to see your take on it mm. that's the main thing yeah well without further ado dan shall we go once more down into the catacombs prima dana First lady of the stage, the world wants you. Me? Yes. Well, Dan, we're past the point of no return. (laughs) We have watched Phantom of the Opera by Joel Schumacher, and I need to know each and every one of your thoughts. I think this is going to be fun to unpack. At the very least, it's going to be fun to unpack. Um, Similar to Gotti, uh, it it was like a a whole lot of events happening, Mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't really build to anything. And that's that's my chief complaint, I think. Because you you asked me to try to sum up what, what... you know, if I had to give, like, a broad overview well, of it. Well, I'll be expecting the details. No, no, review. we'll go yeah. through the details yeah. at every step. But if I had to give a broad overview, it's, it's like, um, 
I really enjoyed the visuals. I enjoyed the music for the most part. Mm. And of the night, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not of the morning. But it doesn't really build to like a tragic romance ending that I thought it would have. Well, damn, the tale isn't over yet. No, I know that, but it's there's it's more like, to come. And that's weird to me. <laughs> it like that. It, there's you know, so many sequels to the Phantom of the Opera novel, though, Dan. Okay, well, I guess that's one thing to unpack if the mm-hmm. novel had sequels. Yeah, um, it was, like, the first instance of, like, fan fiction. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you're gonna have to provide the details on that. I'd have to do that, but not today. Not today, today, we're yeah. just focusing on the first adaptation of Guest on the Ruse, Phantom of the Opera, Dan. Mm-hmm. And you would say you didn't enjoy it? Oh, no, I would actually say I did enjoy it. Oh, damn. But, but, in, like, a, but in a bad movie way. <laughs> you little prying Pandora! <laughs> No, but but not but not in like a sense that I would watch this for my own enjoyment. I would say watch okay. this with people for amusement. Yeah, like, I, it's a drunk watch. Again, I I like how a lot of the opera house is um, portrayed. Now, this is not I'm not I'm not you know crossing into sacrilegious bounds no, here. No, but similar to the bathhouse in in Spirited Away, <laughs> I like. The super cramped vertical buildings. Because that's what it is. Theater yeah. is, you're all up in each other's business. It's backstage. It's raunchy. Yeah. It's like a fun it, time. That, I did. I, I it, like those elements too. Yeah. I, I liked, I liked that setup. I liked most of the music when like Butler wasn't singing. I think, <sighs> I think Emmy, Chill. like Rosam does good. Like I, I like her. Uh, I, yeah. I, Patrick Wilson is reliable. Um, uh, Carlotta is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, like everyone, Mini Driver, Mini Driver is, yeah. is, is is you know like the whole cast is well most of the cast is okay. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't. It kind of just if it would have ended more with more oomph, it would have really sold it. for Did me. it end how it expected? Like you you're not familiar with the subject subject material. No, did not it, not. Did it end no. how you expected it to? Or mm, no. Okay. I expected someone to die in that final confrontation. <laughs> Not yet. Um, <laughs> Not yet. But you did get a little tease to that. Because it felt like in any other story like this, that is what it all would have been building up to, is mm-hmm. that it's going to be tragic. Like, someone's not going to make it out of this okay. Yeah. And I assumed it was, you know, the, the, the top contenders were obviously either, you know, both the Phantom and uh, Raul or... Mm-hmm just christine, christine or mm-hmm. just the phantom but it it didn't like uh, you know something that would leave the situation a mess um dan you're really thinking like a musical writer over there i'm just saying yeah, well yeah and i and i realized that the only problem with the role is obviously with the when he's the old man in the future in the <laughs> yeah. past mm-hmm. uh that wouldn't work but i thought that it was going to be like they were not going to get a happy ending out of this. Yeah. I will say that Andrew Lloyd Webber was working on something else when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and he was working on it for a couple of years at that point. And on this rewatch, I definitely noticed what he was working on there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, given so many teases, but I think you could put two and two together. Yeah, yeah, what may happen. But shall we get into the plot? I suppose, yeah. This isn't my favorite musical, so I pardon myself from all the fans, P-H-A-Ns, that are out there listening to this. <laughs> is that what you, is that what they call themselves there? <laughs> they are known as P-H-A-Ns fans okay. out there, and it is a toxic theater community. Just like you have One Piece, just like you have Naruto, I too have the fans. Mm-hmm. And I know, there are some good points in this musical, but overall this movie adaptation is not good. Yeah. Yeah. 
so we begin with an ooh flashback. I mean, ooh, flash forward. Yeah, it's in the future, but it's also in the past because it's black and white. Yeah. But, which, at, is, which is weird, but... <laughs> we start at the Paris Opera House in 1919, and there's an auction going on. This is the framing device of the musical. We start with an auction, auctioning off like a poster from Chalamet's Hannibal, uh, a weird papier-mâché music box in the shape of a barrel organ with a monkey attached in Persian robes, yeah, playing like, the cymbals. It's the Citizen Kane estate sale. Yes, it's, yes. Auctioning off the movie props. But yeah. you get that we're in the past future because it's in black and white. Yes. Yeah. It, the world has lost its color, yeah. Um, which I guess is symbolic. So, yeah. yeah. And then we get Jonathan rolling out. This is the old V-Comp posed with an old Madame Jiri, but I asked Dan which Jiri he thinks this is. I did think it was Meg Jiri. You but... did, and rightfully so. You thought it was Meg Jiri, but um, keep that in mind. It may take six months, <laughs> thanks to the other uh, podcast pot pick. Mm-hmm. But keep that in mind that you thought that there was the young Madame Jury in that. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and, but also do remember that if we're approaching a quarter quell, then you could always just invoke that power uh, to... I could, but would I want to? Well, in the name of love. <laughs> I don't think I would, Dan. But yeah, so... I'd pick a better movie, a better bad movie. But the point is the theater is on its, I guess, last legs and they're auctioning off all the big props. Yeah, which is a cool thing. Like, I would love to go to an old theater and have these props auctioned off to me and we get, like, it's, everyone's a Jonathan. Will you agree? Yes. Yeah, yeah. every every player a Jonathan Except character. for one of the two Statler and Waldorf guys but, who by default has to be me yeah. and then... Everyone else is... <laughs> and then depending on the setup, I, I have to be the phantom drawing anime yeah. pictures in, in the basement. Yeah, and I have to be the Christine. Like, I'm, I'm a tortured artist. You know, <laughs> I've gone mad. So. so we get Lot 665, a stupid damn monkey that has been synonymous with this musical. Yes. You can buy this at Phantom for like 200 bucks. I would assume. They sell a little papier-mâché music box in the shape of a barrel organ with a, a monkey in Persian robes mm-hmm. playing the cymbals. I have yes. to mention it every time cuz that's what it's described as. Yes. Yeah, but you would buy. Yeah, it's Donkey certainly. Kong. Oh, any any monkey memorabilia that I can get. Yeah. Um then we meet old Patrick Wilson. Yes. And he's v- He's very old. very obvious old man makeup yeah all around yeah and we get a lot of talk singing with like oh she's often talked of you my friend what yes did, did you expect like it to be completely sung through even though i told you like i don't know what musicals you're familiar with Usually uh, there's some scenes in between these songs, but... No, I've watched sung through musicals before. Oh, Repo the, yeah. Repo, the genetic opera. A handful of others, I think. Also starring Sarah Brightman, the original Christine. Of course. Yeah. But, the, yeah, I... I you no, know, from the clips I'd always seen of this movie, it was always like that, so I, I did expect that. Yeah. We get some surreal fondling of this monkey, and then Lot 666. <gasps> a chandelier. Oh, a chandelier in pieces, uh, now fitted up with a new electric light. Perhaps some illumination will throw away the ghost of the past. Gentlemen! Here's a question that, yeah. that might that might be of, in, of interest to yeah. our, our um, you know, non-tri-state area listeners. Uh-huh. Do other areas get the constant commercials for Broadway shows that we yeah, used to get? Yeah, they, they do. Okay. When, when things are on tour, Phantom is consistently on tour, I would feel. Mm-hmm. They would know what Phantom is. But being that we live in this tri-state area, we have the crux of it. 
Like yeah. Broadway is a direct feed into our veins. So yeah, so I always on TV, I always remember the commercial. It was always this moment where the the switches flipped and, and listen, the, the chandelier sparks. Yeah, and in the musical, yeah. when you see it on stage, it's way more electronic. Mm-hmm. It it hits like the score is good. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Like the songs are catchy, but the characters and the plot. I've never been a fan of. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how people are like, this is musical theater. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I never got it. And we'll watch other musicals, maybe better ones, because I've got a few that I'm like, I need to show Dan this, but I need, I need not a Sinister Six moment to share it with Well, him. yeah, and you need to get this off of your, off of your chest. D- <laughs> this has been burning a hole in that pot for a while, it I'm really assuming. Has. So it had to. It's not the longest one in there. It's yes. the second longest one that's been in there, but. Mm-hmm. The pot is still festering. Yes. <laughs> you must save it. Yeah, mm. so, yeah. But, again, this this feels like a pop culture osmosis thing where it, yeah. you, you might recognize a lot from it without even realizing it. So, so the overture's a bop. The chandelier slowly rises on stage. Here it's like, as the chandelier rises, we go back into the past. Everything turns t- color again. I love this stretch. Yeah, if, it's good. If, if that it, if yeah. that quality had been maintained throughout, <laughs> throughout I would have been like when it fades. I, I think you would really love the stage show then because yeah. it does that well. Okay, well that's good to know. But yeah. like the in terms of you know when the chandelier is rising and all the lights are coming back on mm-hmm. and it's like the past is coming alive. Everything yeah. switches from black and white to like gold hued, and the theater is all you know scurrying about prepping the show. I'm like, okay, if this yeah. if this stays like this, then, then I will good. be happy. Yeah. But uh, but, yeah. but you weren't. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, so get it, Dan. We're going back <laughs> to the past. Yeah. Uh, we get to Paris, 1870. Get used to this opera house. We're going to see a lot, but apparently you you like the set. I do. You liked how cramped it was, mm-hmm. how true it was to the theater backstage area. It was like, oh, the Paris Opera House. You would expect something more grand and lavish, but um, here it's no. There's this, there's a scene later on in the movie where Christine and Raoul are running upstairs, like the and they're running through each successive I, layer. I, of I like, liked that scene too. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. Of props and uh, you know, costumes and um. Like, I think, like, food for the crew and stuff, and, you know, interesting. So they're performing an adaptation of Chalamet's Hannibal. 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 And we get, uh, are these actors? Carlotta the Diva. Who would ever have thought that opera was boring back in the day? Imagine, Dan, this is what they did for fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I said to you. Uh, They would now. And then we get Patrick Wilson in a wig? Wig or real hair? Well, we can't tell. I don't. You, you, I don't know. I think it's more of a wig, but a very good wig at that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't see because I, I guess he didn't have long enough hair to pull off. I, I don't. I don't even know what to call it. Like the Karama haircut that they yeah, needed him to have. Just long so hair, I, I don't. Long, long French locks. <laughs> and Dan said, "Is that how people wear their hair in France?" And I said, "Yes." I, I, it's supposed to make lovely look... ladies. We'll get to Lemis. Yeah, it's supposed to make him look dashing, but I, I don't know. It's strange. I, I kinda, strange choice. I, I kind of like it a look. That's <laughs> just me. Uh, opera sold to two impresarios, Andre and Fiermon, the Jonathan and Dan characters mm-hmm. in this, at the old opera house owner is like, I'm going out to Australia, which we watched on the podcast. Yes, another connection. But he's yeah. clearly exasperated um, by having had managed this theater yeah. and de- Something's dealt with Something's going the, on here, yeah. I keep wanting to say pasta primavera. It's not. It's no, prima donna. Prima donna. He's had to deal with the prima donna. He's very, you know, tired. He yeah. wants to walk away and the, the the Dan and Jonathan who have taken it over 
uh, they used to own a junk heap, but now they say that oh, we ran a scrap metal. Not business. in the musical. Oh, it's okay, just fair. in the movie. Okay, it's like oh, to give Dan more. They owned a junk heap. Yeah, and now they're adapting the musical yes. or the the opera house because that's what junk is now. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we then meet the sexy vicomte, vicomte mm-hmm. de Chagny Raoul, the, the patron who. Yeah. Has bought the theater. Yeah, and he's paying for the opera house. And Mm -hmm. he's like, ooh, yeah. I do like a lot of the background characters in this that aren't added in the musical. Like, we get a few, like, fitting ladies that that are for Carlotta and Christine that make a lot of gestures during this. Like, oh, so-and-so can't sing, but she's paying my paycheck. So yeah, like the, here. The, the the two cleaning ladies who like stuff cotton into their ears to to yeah. not have to you know like that's funny to and th- that'll yeah. be another choice not after this one but I'm planning something else okay and it ties into that as well mm-hmm. there's a lot of theater in that third choice spot for okay me. Uh, just so you know uh, we get uh, we we see a forced backstory where Christine sees Raoul enter the opera house and she's like oh that's Raoul. I know him from my past when I was an orphan, and my father died, and he played the violin, and then Rao came and said I was his little Lottie, and mm-hmm. we had a fun time. But he yeah. won't remember me, I'm too plain and dowdy in when the he was, girl line. Yeah, when he was, like, summering somewhere, yeah. they met, so they she considers them childhood sweethearts, jokingly. I and guess. then we get Madame Jury as Miranda Richardson. I had her name the whole time, Dan. I yeah. just didn't read my notes. Who's in Chicken Run and Rita Skeeter. Yeah. Uh, the, know. Most notably for us. Like, she yeah. was in a lot of other stuff, yeah. but that, and yeah. Madame Jury's the Jonathan role of this piece, I would say. Yeah. She's there, she's snooping, she knows what's going on. You, Rem- remember her, Dan. Remember her and her daughter. You don't have to push her too hard to get her to uh, explain things, so that's, you know, that's good. Yeah. She, but, she wants to give you that exposition. Yeah, so. But <laughs> this backstory is handled so much more efficiently in the musical version of it it's mm-hmm. not like oh i'm the daughter of a famous violinist it it just flows a little better in the musical okay so you know it's like it's there it's explained vaguely barely uh-huh. but it's there hmm. yawning I i'm see. trying to yeah. yawning i see during Phantom of the opera did i yawn one string gaudy no <laughs> no but, you would have been forgiven <laughs> hmm. uh but jerry is asked to, like, show uh, Christine around, and then we get uh, Carlotta is the main prima donna of this. Yes. And she's supposed to be displayed as, like, a pitchy, bitchy Italian who's in this opera house mm-hmm. singing and doing her things. No one likes her because she is a bit of a prude on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she, the, she she's a, a bitch. <laughs> all the, like, yeah. the backstage folks seem to actively hate her. Like, she's like a tyrant to them yeah and that's which is, you host a podcast with me so you would <laughs> well yeah we'll we'll get we'll get a lot of those moments because the whole opening is the podcast prep song yeah. but yeah never work with italian stan but mm, mm. but it's contrasted with how they like treat christine later on yeah uh so uh we meet these new uh opera impersonarios with the, uh oh my god i can't remember it's um Fairmon and Andre, mm-hmm. they come in and they're like, oh, okay, can you sing for us, Prima Donna? We love you. And she's like, yeah, if you insist, if my maestros conduct me, then I will sing for you. And, well, and just like a few more, the, um, both of them are, are both of the two manager dudes are famous actors. One of them, Ciaran Hines, was, Ciaran uh, Hines, yeah. yeah, he was, he's been in a lot of stuff. Ciaran? But- <laughs> 
I don't know how to. Siren. Siren. Yeah, I. I you watched Banshees of Inisherin, Ben. No, and I was so detached from my own culture, I and couldn't. I, I wouldn't I have been able to. I kind of wish that will win tonight. I do too. I'm gonna say that it would be a win for for my people. But, but... if it doesn't, I'd be fine. Your people. It, well, and it would also give you something to laugh at me about yeah. if if it doesn't win. But uh, I'll be definitely doing that. But but anyways, but no, there. he was um he was what's his name? He was Rance Mate or Mance Mets Raider. Raider. <laughs> Rance Mater. This this production is in shambles. Ooh, I love this, this, this episode. Production is in shambles, absolute shambles. But then the other guy is like a I I see that guy in a lot. I I know he was in an Ace Ventura movie, but mm. he was. Ten will know him from. He plays like a lot of I feel like British villain guys yeah. in movies he's so giving me it, jim broadbent light yeah which yeah. we'll see jim broadbent on this podcast mm-hmm. eventually mm, more teases for the future dad no, I'll I, was, ever no, no, I assume so uh so then we get the sexy vicon force backstory we had that madame jerry heavy ass french she's speaking like bonjour monsieur yes and she's the only one. And then she says, like, here's my daughter, Meg. Christine Daya was the daughter of a famous violinist, as I said. Never work with Italians. Think of me. So then uh, Carlotta's like, I'll sing for you. We get Think of Me, which is a bop. Mm-hmm. I love this. But in the musical version, it's not as good. Carlotta's supposed to be shown as, like, a pitchy person. She's off key. But she can get to the right notes, apparently. Uh, she yes. She's just so, like, steadfast in her role. Like, they can't get rid of her. Right. Because she has a fan base established already, as you will know from One Piece and such. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then and then but then you're saying Mini Driver's performance is better like, than that. Well, no, I think she plays it very well. I could see her playing it in the stage show if she actually sung it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's not in my notes now. It sounds like her, but I know a lot of people can dub that person. And I know this was before the singing live thing. Mm-hmm. But if it was partly her, I could see her playing Carlotta on stage and being fine right. with it. Uh, it's supposed to be like a little off-putting the way she sings. Well, it, all of the like all of the people who were like cleaning up the theater are like disgusted yeah. and annoyed by it. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 the Jonathan number. Yeah. So <laughs> in she, the build up to me singing. So. She's <laughs> midway through Think of Me and then a um a flat falls on her. Yes. Uh, which is like the the background painted on it. It wouldn't have killed her, but she's like, oh no, I won't sing again. Before you stop these things from happening, this thing does not happen! Yeah, so she was like... That very iconic line, then. She was on the verge of dramatically quitting already that day, and then with the prop falling and everything, it was like, you know, and then we kind of get the vibe that they're blaming the drunkard... Uh, Joseph Bouquet. Joseph Bouquet, uh, like, who's like. I was at my post, sir, not drinking. Yeah, so it's like, okay, until. Fan favorite Jonathan character, Joseph Bouquet. Until you can get all of these, you know, crazy people under control, I'm not going to perform anymore. Like, this is your responsibility. Which is understandable. Like, she's not. People consider her, like, a bitch, but. If I was a diva in this role. She's doing the job, yeah. Yeah, she's like, I'm here to get a paycheck. I don't want to die during this. She's got her Umberto, her love, mm-hmm. who his whole thing is he's fat. He can't get up the elephant. Yeah, but that that's the... And that's in the musical, too. It's like, it's yeah. always played by a fat actor, which I have to mention because it ties into the end of the, the show. Well, that does make sense for the opera roles he's playing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's got a, Usually... a more a baritone voice. Yeah, because... a basso profundo. Cause, yeah, because, yeah, no, 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 that exactly is the only the only opera I've ever seen that had oh. that, so that was... Yeah, what opera did you see, Dan? I, I completely forget the name. Mm. I apologize. Describe the plot, obvious. I'll know. 
Um, <laughs> I, Lobo-M? I don't know. N- no, I can't. The Pearl Divers? I don't know. Don't make me. It's in my mind palace somewhere. Well, you'll I have to get back it. to me. You know that I'm a theater major. No, I'll, no, I'll get back to you. It yeah. was something with like a like a king, but I don't... Uh, oh, well, that narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, so... Just... Turandant? Not king of the pirates, yeah. but... Maybe turned on. It could be turned on. That has yeah. a king, queen yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was that. Hmm. Yeah. I so you puccini, <laughs> <laughs> the mushrooms. You would. Uh, that's what I was just gonna say. You wouldn't know puccini from a, a porcini mushroom. We, no. See, we would make the two good characters like the side ones who just exchange quips the entire <laughs> yeah, time. Like, I would, that would know be... about opera, and you're like, I want to do the metal business. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you don't know anything about it. Uh, but anyway, so the opera, the 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 flat almost crushes Carlotta. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm walking out of this. But then Meg Giri, who is Madame Giri's daughter, another important character for the Phantom plotline that we're going on. Yeah. Remember her? Uh, Dan thought she was someone, but apparently not. She, she's been in things. No, she's definitely not been in things, things we've seen. She's been in a lot of British TV. Yeah. But she's mostly done stage work. Yeah. So, it, it, like, I think in and, other showings. And of it's this. a juicy part, especially in this timeline. Yes. Like, playing Meg Jerry or Madame Jerry, you're going to get more to do down mm-hmm. the pipeline. Just saying there. Uh, but she comes in, she's like, oh, Christine Dye can sing it. She's been taught by a wonderful teacher. I haven't heard from him, but she sings beautifully now. Mm-hmm. And then the the managers are like, fine, we'll give it to her. Let's see what she can do in this audition moment. She sings Think of Me Beautifully. And we get this wonderful transition where she's singing from in rehearsal to on stage. Yes. But this on stage moment is filmed horribly. She looks like a Wind Waker Bloom ghost. <laughs> going up here i do not enjoy this it's supposed to be like she takes off a skirt and reveals her costume in like a big moment in the show you mean in the show in the show i'm always going to mention the show and it's like uh, it gives you chills that's like oh she's going from the chorus girl to the prima donna in one swift move Mm -hmm. that they do on stage but here it's like oh she's got so much bloom they've got rome in the background as you said and they've got like two cherub children holding the horses on stage well i'm assuming it's rome because again if if this almost far-reaching grasp yeah if this is if this is hannibal the musical then it's then it it has to be hannibal (laughs) well okay hannibal the musical would be directed by brian fuller (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but they got the elephants in one scene, and I'm assuming it's Rome in the background of one shot, so it's some kind of love story set there, but I, I don't, yeah. It doesn't make sense with her costume or anything yeah. in this part, so. And she sings good, but I said what an adequate voice the audience is whelmed. Yes. Like, during the opera, this happens very rarely when they've done amazingly. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll stand up and applaud mid-show. Yeah. But this is apparently groundbreaking in the opera community. Yeah, they throw a bunch of roses, like, in the scene right before you would get consumption or something. And I never thought about that. Like, when you go see a new opera, you have to have roses pre-prepared. Yeah. I never understood that. It keeps the rose business alive, I think. I mean, I would love to get a rose thrown at me. Hint, hint, damn. (laughs) The podcast. Oh! A thorn in my eye! (laughs) I was trying to try to think of a... You'll probably get a ro- bottle of rosé thrown at your head more likely. Oh, I, would, I would like that a little bit more, I'm being honest with you. But Rao remembers her. Oh, I remember her. Little Lottie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, bravo. And this is supposed to occur, like, in the box seat off to stage right. Mm-hmm. It's like Rao standing there like, I remember her. Yeah. But Patrick Wilson is doing his best. I'm not going to best Patrick Wilson. No, of course. I love him in yeah. this. And I love him in other movies that may or may not come to this podcast. 
Well, there's a lot that yeah. we could we could. He's a consistent actor. I'll give him that. And he's a Broadway actor. He's been in a lot of shows. Yeah, in the theater. No, Patrick Wilson is a is a working dude. Yeah. He, he does <laughs> a, a lot. Like I don't he's know, a working dude. I don't know if he's ever risen to the level of getting like acclaim, but because because the I like the most I see him as a leading man in what you know is obviously like those Conjuring movies. Yeah, but which he, are he, I mean, we got Taisa Faimaja or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah, good yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, we will uh, probably bring we could them. get to them. Yeah, but too scary for me. Uh, I don't do demonic shit. Well, I can, until Exorcist Three, <laughs> I can easily do those. But yeah. but of course, he was also Ocean Master, the my oh, yeah in Aquaman. He it, was in a lot of productions of Angels in America too, which is like a heavy theater piece. No, of course, so, yeah. he was also Night Owl yeah. in Watchmen. Yeah, way back when mm-hmm. in our high school days. Hmm. But either way, we're pro so, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> uh, Emmy hits the high note, and I said that this is some bad lip sync in a musical. Despite I think she might have sung it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like at some point she's been overdubbed by another actress. No, there... it, it does sound slightly like her, which is very good. It, yeah, it feels like there's there's a few moments where if they go from dialogue into singing, you can tell that it's yeah. ADR. Like it's a very mm-hmm. I would. It's surprising for like a musical film that they're. Well, I, like, as I told Dan before um, Les Mis, this was the tradition. Yeah. Is that you do it in the theater, sometimes someone will overdub you that sounds exactly like you, mm-hmm. but with a good singing voice, so it's hard for me to tell. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I'm, I'm just saying in terms of sound, it was, there are a few parts in the movie where like someone's crying and then the song kicks in and it's clearly a different, it's like the ADR audio track, like mm-hmm. overlaying. Yeah. And sometimes... I, I think that the masquerade song when we get there, yeah, I can't I can't hear what they're singing. Yeah, you a would lot. need to know the lyrics. That's yeah. why your homework assignment is to listen to the original Broadway of cast course. recording or the original London cast recording, whichever mm-hmm. you may pick. Yeah, they're both the same. No, I'll, no, I'll, <laughs> but I'll, I'll never check them out. Yeah, uh, but uh, Christine is a success. Everyone's throwing roses at her, and then Meg da- Meg checks in. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, Christine, where in the world have you been hiding?" Mm-hmm. She's down in the chapelle. Yeah, yeah, the, which I'm sh- I assure you the the Paris Opera House has a chapelle. Yeah, like it's very historically accurate. The setting is right. It has those tunnels and sewers. I don't think those tunnels are accurate because they're it, far too clean, which I'll mention. Well, no, you said it had the sewer yeah, thing under yeah, it. There's like so. a whole compound under the Paris Opera House that I would love to tour. Mm-hmm. It's like the the sewer system that goes under there where they store the animals and everything, and it goes down. Far deeper than one can imagine, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very cool thing. But Meg is checking on her friend. Important note to notice that Meg is friends with Christine. Just remember that. No, I'll remember. I'm, yeah. I'm shouting at you because it, it plays into another pick that I have. I'll tuck that away. In yeah. this bad movie bag, be it six months down the line or whatever. Yeah. Remember Meg, remember Madame Jerry, and remember Christine. How, how can I forget? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, Dan, but uh, uh, she's like, oh, Christine's like, yeah, I sing better because when my dad died, he your, said... You, yeah, your mom brought you here. You yeah, brought me here. Yeah, and we get this... It's a very theatrical thing where it's seen through a scrim, like, a young Christine died at her father's deathbed, young Christine died being brought by the theater. I was like, that's fine. I love that. But she's like, oh, when my dad died, he said he would send the angel of music after me. And then I'd be able to sing yeah. through his love. Yes. And Meg's like, oh, that doesn't really sound so true. But if you can sing so much better, I guess it's fine. 
Yeah, and it's kind of like Christine really puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that this angel has been with her this entire time. Yeah. To the, the point where I got the vibe that Meg's lines in response are like, Sweetie, there's no, there's no ghost. Yeah. There's no any. Just <laughs> Sweetie, don't stop fine. doing yeah. it. Just like don't, don't mention that to anyone. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna, we're you're, gonna go up to the party. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like this whole thing. I don't know if it's a Joel Schumacher pick or an Andrew Lloyd Webber thing, but this whole scene with them walking down the highway is meant to reference Degas, the painter who did ballerinas a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just they're posed in the same way. And I was like, oh, there's culture there. Well, Meg is walking in the ballerina stance yeah, the entire she, time. Yeah. Like the, on pose, on point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah, the entire, yeah. the whole time, so. But. It's interesting. No, it's interesting visual details. It's yeah. good to notice, but she goes to her dressing room where Madame Jury's like, back, back to fans, to older fans. <laughs> she'll, she'll be retiring for the evening. Mm-hmm. But she shows up, and then Raoul's like, little Lottie, who I thought of everything and nothing. And then we get this whole backstory, which doesn't make sense in the musical unless you read the original Gaston LaRue novel. Mm-hmm. Is like, they had this whole backstory where, like, when they were kids, they met up. And he would refer to her as Little Lottie based on, like, a children's heroine character. Yeah. Famous and, one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? No, I, oh. I, I think, no, Little Lottie Have is... Read? Little Lottie is, like, a like a recurring, I think, fr- huh? I would assume, French fictional character. Right, I think she right. she was in books, and then yeah. they made a comic after her, I oh. think. Some, I, I don't remember, but Always it was, with the comic books that dance. But no, it was, it, it was, like, old books first. Yeah. It was some kind of... I don't know. I, I don't, she had, like, zany adventures or something. I don't yeah. remember. I, I did put down the chemistry is non-existent between these two. Yes. I do not feel it at all. I mean, I'm looking at Patrick Wilson the whole time. Just being an eager beaver. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I like Emmy Rossum. She was Bulma. Yeah, no, I, 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 <laughs> she, was she Bulma? She was Bulma. Oh my god, we really did that, did we? Yeah, yeah we've never. In what? What was she Bulma? The live the action? Dragon Ball Evolution. Which, oh, which man. I don't think in oh, our my three god. years. How of has whatever, that not come to the pod? Ne- we have never mentioned it. Yeah, we, once. <laughs> I don't understand. Not, we'll have to watch we, that now. Like I'm pretty sure this is the first moment it's been ever been mentioned. But I'll, I'm going to put it in the pot. Oh Fuck it. my god! It's going in. The, it's going in. I've never seen all the way through. So really. Uh, no, Re- uh, no, really, that's not surprising. Dad. That's not <laughs> really. No, I didn't know that was Emmy Rossum. So really, I, I, oh my god. Yeah, that's a that's a pod for another day. Uh, so let me leave. Who's that behind my mirror? And then we get the phantom like, look at your face in the mirror. I'm there inside. Yes. And we get Gerard Butler. We do. He's not good. La Spectora. Yeah, <laughs> la Spectora de la Opera. Yeah, he's he's there. He's yeah. So would you say his singing voice is good or uh, no? No, and I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. No. I don't know a lot about. Yeah, I don't. Dan wouldn't know a note from when I left him to one song. But it, it, it's it is it is just uh, I don't know. It's very grating. Yeah, and it feels like a lot of those moments could have had a lot more impact if if it was a guy who could sing better. Yeah. Anyway, but then you you emphasize to me that it's not the Phantom isn't necessarily a part that you would crave. No, because I don't like the the optics of the piece, Dan. Yeah, because he's, well, he's very incel-ish. Yeah, he is incel, and I don't yeah. like that at all. Like, and it's gonna be weird because you're gonna swap roles on him and Raoul in a coming pick. Yeah, Raoul is portrayed as the worst person in this upcoming pick that I have. Well, yeah, you did. You did mention yeah. that when, like, when we were recording, and the, the intro. Phantom is portrayed as like the glorious person who came to save me. 
which is which is weird. Yeah, which is why I'm bringing this to the because, pot because that feels just pre-ordered it. That feels like the <laughs> incel fanfic part. Yeah. So and, and it ties into like why Phantom had so many fanfics in it. Yeah, and why Andrew Lebber, Andrew Lloyd Webber only read certain fanfics on this one. Okay, ones that applied to his adaptation. This is a tangled fucking web, sir. You're going I, to have to. You're going to have to. It's a lot of theater knowledge going on here, but I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber he cast his original wife Sarah Brightman as Christine. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's the Phantom. And that's yeah. that's common. That's like throughout the entire theater thing. It's like he is the phantom casting his Christine. It's very strange and it happens, but it's so obvious. And I just hate that it's like a theater impresario that's like, oh, I'm going to do this and no one will notice. Yeah. Yeah, because people are definitely going to notice. But I, I, I don't, I don't know. There's just so many layers to it. Yeah. So we get cringe the cringe. They're going down to the the catacombs. And I said to Dan, Dan, this is actually a Jean Cocteau reference from La Biette Belle, where they use the hands holding the candelabra, but it's very clunky here. They don't move similarly. It's like, oh, anyone who knows that film will be there. It's in your face. Yeah. It it doesn't feel right for the the subject material. There's a random horse there just sitting to carry Christine three feet to a boat. I don't know if this is a nitpick, but the hands do wobble. They they do wobble, yeah. and then in, in in La Biette Belle they do not. Yeah. I I get that. I w- I would say that's true. Yeah, and it's it kind of like you know your your eye goes to it. Yeah, but we could tell that Joel but... Schumacher or Andrew Lloyd Webber was a fan of Jean Cocteau at this point. Well, and as you pointed out, throughout the architecture of certain parts of this, you do have as Joel Schumacher did in in his Batman movies, um, nipples he, men like ass. giant like giant really jacked guys holding up the pillars Listen, which is we we discussed as above so below we know the paris catacombs aren't like that yeah but they're filled with skulls which would be a yeah. which would be like a a know, cool thing that would be fine that image would make sense and i think that's in the new revival of it that's like watered down mm-hmm. like when he goes down there it's all skulls which but fits. but i don't think andrew lloyd Webber approved of that production well, of course, but because he's got like his own mindset on things. But I, I just love teaching you about theater, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I. But but again, it was uh, again, it it was, it was someday <laughs> if we ever get to those Batman movies, we'll talk about that. But that it, you can definitely see shades of that Gotham City in mm-hmm. the architecture of the Opera House. Yeah. Um, I I don't yeah I I, I don't again it's very visually appealing, but. You know, like like it stands out. Like the set is not going to look like the set of any other movie. But in both cases, he's used it. It it really, really, you know, ruins the sets. Yeah, so it emphasizes it, the male form a little bit too much. It, yeah. It's it's a strange. But then I was like thinking, like, wouldn't like the Paris Opera House be like this grandiose thing well, carved out of stone? There's a lot of naked feminine bodies. Mm-hmm. In the upper side yeah, of yeah, the... Yeah. In, so like, is in, it, in the theater itself proper. If we're doing the visual medium of film, is it I, like... So the, the female yeah, divine is, is up, up and then yeah, the I, male atlas is holding... I, the, I, I, I like that. Like, that makes sense, but... If I gotta piece this together yeah, from the scripts, I mean, is, is that what... I, I, I don't know, but yeah. it feels like that's a recurring imagery thing. Uh, I, an- another question for you, Dan. Who delivers the fandom's groceries? I would assume Madame. 
Madame Giri? Yeah. Mm, yeah, she knew him from his past. She's, all right, all she's, right. She seems to be enabling him. She's yeah. an enabler. Oh, that's she? how she comes off in this movie. She, the, she enables. Listen, so. <laughs> that's the Jonathan role, in the sequel at least, which we'll get to. Yeah. I am Madame Giri, and you'll see why. Yeah. You will see why eventually. Live long enough to end. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I, I would assume that she makes sure that he's set up with food. Another there. question. Who made these candles water repellent? Um, uh, I would assume it's gas piping that lights when it mm, goes candles? above the water. Mm, interesting. No, I would, no, I would assume they're... Okay, with the amount of time that this guy has on his hands, yeah. he could make little like candle exteriors with gas pipes running up through the center of the candle that then light when they go above the water. Yeah. You know, this this is this is what what else is he doing down there? He's fapping, making fapping. he's making resident evil yeah. traps yeah. and he's doing that. So yes. like I assume that uh, Madame Leodonna what's, what's the puppet's name? Well, uh, what is the puppet? What? It's like Belladonna or whatever. Which puppet? The the one from the recent Resident Evil game. The puppet, oh, that yeah, puppet house, yeah. Belladonna or yeah, whatever. Belladonna, yeah, Belladonna, yeah. yeah. She's, She's like, oh, that. yeah, I'm here. But yeah, he has them. And then I have to say, like, we get Music of the Night, which is the biggest incel song. And every time I bring someone to see this on the show, they're like, that's the best song. And I'm like, don't you understand? That's like him, like, I can fuck you, touch you. Yeah. Love me anyway, yeah. though. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, and it feels like this would be one of those things where if I had engaged with this years earlier, oh. maybe I would also. But yes. but now I now there's no way. No. There's it's he's got of, a real doll down there. He Christine. does. He makes that. That's another thing he spends his time. And doing, in the theater the show, it's worse because the arms jut out towards Christine, causing her to faint. Like he has an animatronic real doll down there. Yeah, so he's making steampunk shit down there. He can uh. he, he can make the candles happen. Again, uh, it's all for theatrics. So. Yeah, but Christine faints. He's like, shh, sweet Jimmy's now. Don't worry about that. Then we get this whole Joseph Bouquet plot uh, plot line where he's trying to scare the chorus girls into being like, there's a phantom on the other opera house. But uh, uh, Madame Jerry's like, shh, Joseph Bouquet, hold your tongue. Because the phantom might get you for talking shit about him. Yes. And I love Joseph Bouquet, because he tells it as it is, but he's a dumb character. Mm-hmm. And I love Madame Giri. This is the two Jonathans warring at each other during this film. Yes. Yeah. And Well, and then we get the first hint of the raise your hand to At eye the level. level of your eye. So in the original novel, there's a Punjab lasso, because it's a very racist novel. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. the Phantom hires a Persian that kills people for him with a Punjab lasso that he strangles people with. And yeah. the only way to prevent that is to keep the hand of the level of your eye. To prevent the rope from snaring you around the throat. Yes. Yeah. And that's the context of it. Yeah, and it, and it comes Lover's up, like, that's fine. Leave it in. And it gets repeated later yeah. on. At the he doesn't keep the moment. Phantom in. Other musical adaptations of the Phantom of the Opera keep it in. And it's bad. Yeah. But this is like, oh, we'll have that there, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's always sounded like there's a lot of even more yikes stuff that oh, happens there's in that novel. So tons of yikes stuff in that novel. Yeah. I have a copy. You want to read it? <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Certainly. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. You'll be a cricket and you'll jump, jump, jump. That's that's in the novel. Well, we recently had a seismic shift here because our Barnes and Noble. Oh, we it's love moved to the moving. Union Center by the Best Buy. Yeah. Gabe just saw it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. 
It is? Yeah, it's a glorious Barnes & Noble. Good. You'll have to take me. Good, then it's ascended, so... And I'll have to bring it. That's all I ask, as long as it's happy. That's, <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, but Christine awakens, back down in the basement, the catacombs, and is like, where? What is under that mask, though? Can I see? And something I don't like in this movie adaptation is that the Phantom clearly sees Christine sneaking up on him. He's like, oh, she's there. Yeah, I was hoping you would explain she's it. She's approaching I wasn't sure that. What you... In the book, in the original source material, he doesn't see her. Mm-hmm. He's like playing his own thing. She creeps up, she takes it off, and it's like, oh, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. But here he clearly knows and then gets pissed off at her for revealing it. Yes. Like, he knew it was going to happen there. Yeah, but I would assume that playing into his whole incel thing that he wanted to show her eventually because he's like Mm -hmm. how could you hate love me i'm a beast you little prying pandora but you do love me don't you like so i i don't know it plays in i i feel like it's part of his whole shtick in this version so yeah yeah uh so we flash forward again uh we get andre fearman finds some notes and we get the best song uh we have to mention that madame jury found a note before when, yeah. like, Carlotta was almost smooshed by the backdrop. She's, yes. like, found this very impressed Donkey Kong no, it's a, <laughs> full full skull embossed wax note. You no, know, it's a giant wax skull. Yeah, it is like, like it that's is, what Dan would love is to a have. 3D, no, I would. It's, a, yeah. it's like, a giant, it's, like, heavier than the letter, and it's, like, it juts out by, like, four inches from the letterhead. So yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, but this is my favorite song. It's Notes into Prima Donna. Mm-hmm. And we get a Notes 2 later on. I don't know in the musical, but it's like all the all the characters are coming together to sing in a quintet about how they received a note about how Christine Dye is going to take over for Carlotta's role and then be, like, shunned to the side Carlotta is going to be. And, like, how there's nothing they can really do about that. Yeah, because the Phantom has his Lawrence of the Third, like, Lawrence the Third, uh, like, little doll set yeah. where he's playing out you know, the theater set up and he's like, you know, uh, Carlotta will be the silent page boy and Christine will get the Glad you got that. See, I didn't have to tell you any of that, but but you picked it up on the musical. So he's he's going- Glad you listened, He's he's like moving the little figures around all according to Kakaku. So that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, He's playing with his, (laughs) I put his civilians models. (laughs) That's a good TikTok. You should follow that civilians TikTok. Which one? The one with it's the little, little, little animals. animals. No, I, are, I yeah, send you those. I mean, yeah. I would buy a whole set, but they're very expensive. No, that, that that person deserves to make like a feature film of yeah. that shit. So yeah. that'll be the next Marcel the Shell. I can only hope. Uh, but we get a plot to help Christine. The impresarios grovel and convince the prima donna Carlotta to stay. And the, in my favorite song, it's like prima donna, first lady of the stage. We love you. Your public needs you. Yeah. We'll appease you in any way. We get Mini Driver going behind the sets, like, trying on outfits as, like, the cast and crew are, like, upset that she's even doing it. They're, like, flipping her off. It's the best part of the musical. Like, it it truly is, in my opinion. No, and it's really, I, I don't know, it's certainly one of the most lively parts, and it's like... You know, she goes outside to greet the public uh-huh. and they ask for Christina. And they're Christina. like, give it to Christine! And, you know, but then it seems like the managers just kind of, like, convince everyone mm-hmm. to play along. And, like, oh, yeah. no, 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 you need to ask for her by yeah. name because she, you know, you're her adoring mm-hmm. public. And so that's done well in the film. Yeah. In the musical, they're just, like, kind of, like, rotating on a set. It's like, as they're reading the Phantom's Ladder, they're like, uh, keep my box open. They're mm-hmm. spinning around the stage. And then, like, they, they join hands. And it's powerful, mm-hmm. but not the same. I think they do do that better yeah. in this movie version, showing her all her facets outside of the set and whatever yeah Mm. 
but then Carlotta's like, I'm going to sing the lead role in Il Muto. We get an instant transition. Before in the musical, I think Raul's like, hey, I'm going to hire a cop to stand in the box to shoot at the Phantom mm-hmm. when he gets there. Because he said he's going to be there. In box number five. In box number five. Yeah. And they do, like, this whole test thing, and the Phantom's, like, he tricks them, he's standing in the rafters, he's like, oh, you thought you would shoot me there, or something like that, you won't get me that easily. Mm -hmm. But I thought that did add a little bit more to, like, his conniving during that. Uh, But Carlotta's singing Il Muto, she's doing well, Christine's being silent, Uh, apparently the fan base doesn't love Carlotta. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how it works in the other versions, but in this version... Like, I mean, I stand Carlotta. I'd be there for her over Christine. But, 100%. Like, Christine is, is playing like a like a, like a a miming, you know, page boy, mm-hmm. and the audience is reacting more positively to her. They're, like, breaking out and, you know, yeah. it's old the, people laughter at, yeah. at, at It's at the trouser and, role that, like, a, a famous female would play as a boy. Yeah. But a silent role, so she doesn't get to sing anything. But she seems to be getting the praise mm-hmm. from all the uh, yeah. the opera crowd. So Carlotta's pissed. She's like, whatever. And the Phantom's like, oh, ho, ho. in the show at least, he's like, oh, he does like this. He doesn't sabotage her vocal spray like in the movie. Yeah, he, yeah. he He's a ventriloquist in the novel. Mm-hmm. So like he throws his voice and makes her sound like a toad while she's singing, and she thinks it's her. Mm-hmm. But in the movie version, he sabotages it. We see, like, a jalo hand reach out and grab it and, like, replace it with, what did you say, hot sauce? Frank's, Frank's Red Hot. hot. Yeah. Frank's Red Hot. And she's like, oh, mio dio. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what to do. But, but yeah, so she can't hit, like, the high notes yeah. for the rest of the night. And then the, the production, like, descends into chaos. Yeah. And uh, so then the producers come forward... Um, Carlotta can't sing the role anymore, so they're like, oh, Christine Dye is going to sing it, but first the ballet from Act 3, which would be a no-no yeah. in any theater thing. They would just pause and then show the rest of the show. I don't think they would show the ballet beforehand I would to assume. entertain them, so have the ballet dancers do it again. But during this whole thing, we get Joseph Bouquet doing like a Spy Kids sequence where he's like, oh, the Phantom's not going to get me. Yeah, oh, like, left, right. I don't know where to go. Chasing him around the rafters yeah. of, the, of, like, the, you know, or, like, the gang planks above the stage. Mm. But uh, Joseph Bouquet does get caught by the Phantom and then hung. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, take your seats. It doesn't matter. Like, calm down. Is it part of the show? Is it, what's going on? I don't know. We're going to resume the act. And Christine grabs Rao and is like, take me up to the roof. We need to talk. Yeah. And this is supposed to be another bop. It's like, why have you brought me here? I don't know what's going on. I want to leave. But then Rao's like, you know, I'll protect you. You can sing whenever you're here. It's yeah. like a toxic men around Christine, who Christine is not the smartest character in the book, but I get the tropes that are going yeah, on Yeah, and, and also the way that the songs are sung is that you, you don't pick up on, like, um... Raul doing like the white knight stuff. It's difficult to pick up on Raul yeah. doing that stuff. Like it's yeah. the song is very clearly just say you want me to protect you mm-hmm. and I will protect you forever, yeah. but you yeah. have to say that you want me to like it's mm-hmm. like okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's what you're And who's going listening for. from behind the horse's ass? Uh the ghost. No, the Phantom yeah. Dula Opera. Yeah, he's and you said that this was in contrasted the sta- in the <laughs> stage show. It's like an angel is lowered in front of the stage on wires, and you're like, "Oh, this is a set piece." But then the phantom reveals himself from behind it, and it's a big gag. 
when you see the theater show. Mm -hmm. But here it's just like, I get that they're trying to recreate the opera house. Mm -hmm. Like they have all these statues on the top of it, but it doesn't work as well. Yeah. That we see him there prior to this. It's a good reveal in the stage show that he's there and he's like, oh, fine. Then I I swear revenge on both of you. Like I'm done with you both. I'm going to bring down the chandelier. And then they do the impossible and do not bring the chandelier down during act one. Which was weird. That is extremely strange. I do not remember that happening. Even taking the notes. It's like, oh, that doesn't happen. To save it to the end of the piece. No. Because it's supposed to be like, oh, the phantom's a threat. He brought down the chandelier. We actually have to consider what he's saying. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, again, it had to be one of those things where it was just saved for the final act. But even I feel like I had some vague scent like that was coming. But yeah. Instead, we get him on the rooftop, like, now you done it, like that, <laughs> that song. So. Yeah. Now, now you done it. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the song, Dan. So, sure. you know, it, it, it's... But you said that this, is, this would be the end of the act first one. act. Act yeah. one. So then we get to act two a few months later. We're supposed to get more, like, Dan Jonathan producer's number, mm-hmm. where they back up next to each other. One's dressed as a skeleton, and one is dressed as, like, a ghost. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, like, a Dan number. I would love if you saw, like, the real stage show. It'd be like, oh, that's me and you. Mm-hmm. Just standing there having fun. But uh, they're like, oh, well, the chandelier crashed in the musical stage show. We're going to throw this party because the Phantom hasn't been seen in a while. Yeah. But here it's just like, oh, the Phantom's dipped. We're good. We solved our problem. They're going to have a masquerade ball. Yeah, they have a masquerade. A very famous theater moment. And Dan, what did you think of the staging? I need to know. Um, It's a giant Paris Opera House staging. Black and white outfits. What's going on? Well, you did emphasize going into it that the theater version is a lot more colorful. Mm-hmm. I would have... Color, more color would have been cool. Yeah. Um, I, I get the black and white thing of it, though. Like, because you need the Phantom to pop in red, but the outfit is hor- horrible that he has later on. And I like the choreography. Yeah. I just... My only complaint with this part I, was was the audio, because I, I couldn't, couldn't understand hear, what they were saying. Yeah, like, that was the only Paper thing. Paper faces on parade! Hey, I Paper could only hear, like, we're gonna go masquerade, wear the mask, wear the blah, 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 and then, yeah. then it just kind of, like, Peter's Look, Dan, off. there's another face behind you. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't... You mean you didn't listen to Phantom before seeing this movie? Well, I never know what Sinister... Oh. Well, no, I'm saying in this yeah. movie presentation, yeah. I've heard that song before, but I in the movie presentation, I couldn't tell what they were saying. They were yeah. just doing the fan dance, so... <laughs> it's meh, because when the Phantom does reveal himself in the stage show, it's like this... Ba- it's literally one of the best costumes I've seen in theater. It's like, uh, he's dressed as the Mask of Red Death yeah. from Edgar Allan Poe. Adam and his from jaw, State the Infinity. His yeah. jaw is flapping, and it's a body double, because he appears like at the top of the staircase and at the bottom of the staircase instantly. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Okay. And then um, the masquerade goers, like most of them are actors, but then on the side are like marionettes dressed in different things. Mm-hmm. So it's like to fill up the staircase a little bit more. Okay. Just, just, so part of his, his yeah. gadgetry. Is... Yeah, ju- just so you... Well, it's not him. It's like, oh, the facade of being in a masquerade and okay. stuff like that. But but yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit cooler than that. I could see that. That, hmm. that would be... I gotta check that out. Uh, Christine and Ral are engaged. Shh, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Yes. Yeah, even though they're like, oh, we want to announce it here. 
but yes. they don't because the Phantom shows up and is like, I have Don Juan triumphant writing. Yeah, I wrote my fanfic. <laughs> that part, <laughs> literally my favorite part in the musical. He goes, I wrote a new score, Don Juan triumphant, throws it, and the uh, and one of the VCOM catches it and is like, oh, fine, we'll do this opera. And then he disappears. He's like, do it. Just do it. Well, I it... wrote a fanfic. Well, don't 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 they agree to do it later after the stupid graveyard scene? Yeah, but that's it... in only in the movie version. Uh, okay, like yeah, they agree but... to do it there. They have this whole rehearsal scene, which is very cool, which leads into wishing you were somehow here it again at the graveyard. But here they do something completely different. Christine's like, I have to go grieve. I gotta go to my father's dead grave site. I I just do like the because I'm not familiar with what. Don Juan was a. Is well, that Don like Juan a... is about like a um, a womanizer uh-huh. that fucks everyone. Okay, so that would I don't know. It just seems it is such like a weird little moment. It's like yeah, I but... wote my own Godzilla sequel. Yeah, but you know? like, but yes. it w- it, damn, that literally would be it. It's like here is Mothra. Yes, and oh, it's like it... oh. It's the same moment, Dan. It's just as niche. It is like, what? Why should we care? Like, what do we? What do we do? Like, you know, like, no, go away. <laughs> or he's just a dude. Go get him. Like, I, I don't. No, that's perfect. I, yeah, I think yeah. that's exactly the right mindset that you have to have for this. But Chris, like, I, it's just I, because I know I'm, I'm, maybe I'm making it sound stupider than it is, but it just not. seems like I wrote Macbeth too. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, I can. It's public domain. It, so. <laughs> Dan, it's, it's honestly that. So. I'm glad you approached that that way. <laughs> but uh, Christine goes to the cemetery and it's like, "Ooh, daddy, you're dead." Yes. But then in the the movie version, we get that Eric is driving her carriage there. I'm like, what? What is that? Well, uh, well, to be, well, we okay. We gotta. We didn't. We're not skipping the Bloodborne Cemetery, right? No, that that's this point. Wishing you were somewhere here again takes place at the Bloodborne Cemetery. Yeah, they're in like a like a huge ass gothic cemetery mm-hmm. uh, with you know gigantic statues yeah, and angels and yeah. and spikes and you know crosses everywhere, and it's it's like we gotta we gotta bring that aesthetic back, but it's just. Stone is too expensive these days, so we can't, but... And this movie also cut a wonderful Notes reprise, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, where did you... It's the same thing as Notes, but Mm -hmm. done again, and Christine's like, I don't want to sing this. Like, this man is fucking insane. Please let me. And Rao's like, just do it. I'll protect you. Well, they move that to the... The yeah, they do, chapel, but, it, but it doesn't have the same emotional weight. Like, okay. Christine dies, like, I have to go see my dead father in order to communicate because mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. And Ralph's just like, it's fine. Do it. I guess that would make sense. Because, okay, so then in the musical, is it a matter of, like, the note song is her expressing apprehension over Yes! It. Then the cemetery yes! happens, and then that yes! solidifies her decision to do it. Yes! All right, that that's much... Exactly. More. That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Not in the movie version, though. No. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Phantom... She says, wishing you were somewhere here again, and then realizes that the Phantom is singing to her. From the uh, mausoleum. Yeah, how do you get in there? He, was, he set the whole Are thing the up. the Paris Opera House connected to the mausoleums? Well, he knows all the roots. He knows yeah. all the, like, Well, in the stage ways. show, he has, like, a fire effect. Like, bleh! <laughs> and, like, yeah. a, a fireball comes out. Well, he does that in the Masquerade Ball, too. He, yeah. he does these little, uh, you know, yeah. disappear in a Paper ball of fire. fire. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But... I, I don't... Yeah, so then he's in the mausoleum and he comes out and 
Christine is like enraptured for a second, mm-hmm. but then uh, Raul shows up like, "No, don't go to him. He's yeah. he's a dick." <laughs> and they pull out swords despite having guns. Yes, they would have guns. Guns are in the sequel. It would have been pistols at dawn. Yeah, so it, sequel. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows. Everybody. I don't knows. know. I don't know if you but know, Dan. Ooh. The the yeah. So then they have their very anticlimactic. Uh, sword fight in the in the graveyard yeah uh raul receives an injury to his sleeve it's fine but ultimately bests the phantom mm-hmm. who uh, well he think, rides off with christine and then the phantom's like grr this means war war on you both and i would assume that that would be because you know if the phantom's life was building to any one moment i would think that the sword duel to win the woman that he's been incel lusting after that would be that would be his moment to to get better at sword dueling, you know, you would you would build up to that, but he didn't. He lost, mm. so yeah. And then they, and then we get the chapel scene, right? Yeah. So, what's the chapel scene? <laughs> like Christine is is nervous because they're they're rehearsing for Macbeth two uh, and Don they, Juan triumphant. They go down to the. Oh, hey, I don't remember that. That's on the musical. A little fun fact. Yeah. Joel Schumacher's proposed fifth Batman movie when mm. before Batman and Robin tanked and was panned mm-hmm. was called batman triumphant uh, batman triumphant so i don't know what you here know, i bring the finished score so it's another weird little universal parallel there like uh. that was going to be that was going to be the fifth uh batman film with like clooney facing scarecrow Damn. um but the the but yeah so she goes down to the chapel to like process her thoughts and then like she's like i don't want to do this because he's a nut and yeah, he's but, gonna like kill me. But Ralph's like, do it, just do it, because she explains where like this is going to be a shadow <laughs> over my life forever. And then yeah. Raul is like, yeah, it'll be a shadow. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta catch do it. him. Yeah. Um. Mm. But he he called in the cops to man the theater. Not doing a very good job, those cops. And but, they're but like, yeah. despite all of the failures previously, they're mm-hmm. going to somehow snare him tonight. So then they sing the sexiest number in the musical, in stage and show. It's hot, 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 yeah. The point of no return. Yes. It's like, oh, Don Juan Triumphant's there, Pianji, who is uh, uh, Carlotta's husband, is there singing, mm-hmm. like, the original role of Don Juan. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna seduce this woman, blah, blah, blah. Goes off stage and gets mysteriously strangled by someone. Mm-hmm. Ooh, who could it be? And then Christine's on stage singing as, like, the ingenue. The audience is eating it up. The cops are there, posed with their guns. And then a skinny person comes in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is the point in the musical where everyone would realize this isn't... Pianji. Yes. It's da- It's the Phantom posing as him. Yes. But everyone's so enraptured by the sex, Dan. They're no, like, my everyone God, is. The this old is the ladies, hottest thing I've seen. The cops, the stagehands, the other actors, the everyone is just, this is, this is way too hot to handle. So. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it would be a little hotter if it were not for the funhouse hell set you liked built. it though you said the set was good i didn't say this no oh, i said no oh. no no. i said the set of the opera house oh, was good oh, okay. not this not the all right because i didn't like this either i didn't like the set yeah either. not the stupid fire effect yeah. you, you know i mean it would be a bitch to paint all those ombres and whatnot well but... it looked like it was done pretty fast so 
it's not good compared to it. It's just like at a table during the stage show. It's yes. like in the, the Don Juan thing and they're like having a thing in a cloak and whatever. But it's like, oh, Christine's like, oh, he's so sexy. Like, this is him. Do I turn him in? Whatever. The crowd is enraptured by him. And then it's revealed that he killed Pianji. Yes. It's like, oh, oh, he killed someone. No! Well, and the whole time, because things are getting so sexy on stage, Raul is like in the balcony, like crying almost because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, my God, they're like so hot and heavy. You know, I- I'm assuming it's supposed to be like, can I compete with that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Phantom is clearly not well because then she rips his mask off in yeah. public. Yeah. But, uh, so she rips, rips the mask off. <laughs> uh, we get, uh, his, he's hideously off-key. Yes. <laughs> Instead of hideously defigured. Yes. It's not a bad defiguration. Put some aloe vera on that. You'll be fine. It'll heal up. And, <laughs> I, all right, this is, this is going to be a complete guess on my part. Mm-hmm. This is, this could be, this could be an assumption. This could be a general <laughs> assumption, you know, make an ass out of you and me. I don't know. But this Gerard Butler phantom could easily just walk out in public. Like, I feel like wealthy Victorian-era weirdos could just wear masks in public. Yes. I don't think fashionably, like, fashion-wise, nothing was out of bounds if you had money back then. Mm -hmm. So you could walk out in a stupid steampunk face mask if you wanted to. And they wouldn't question, like, oh, that's all the rage in, 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 like, uh, you know... Ibiza or, or something, yeah. and then they would, like, you would never get any. So he could just go out in public. He could go get his own groceries if he wanted to. Nothing's mm-hmm. stopping him. But he doesn't. He's trapped. Uh, so. But we get the chandelier smash that was supposed to happen at the end of Act 1. He jumps down the tube. Yes. Into the underground. The flaming tube. With the bad uh, flying, failing, uh, fire-weaving... <sighs> Also similar to a scene in Batman Forever. So yeah, it is. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, mm. but I don't. I don't like it. So. He jumps out there, and then Madame Jiri is like, "Raoul, come with me. I'll take you there." But this is as far as I go. Yeah, <laughs> I do not. I do not deal with the fuckers that is in the basement. A Meg, stay behind. Important note. Remember. Remember this, Dan. Yeah. Did we forget the, his backstory? Oh, we did. It's like it's before not, the chapel. It's a vague song in the show. It's like, oh, Eric was in a uh, carnival act, yeah. and he was abused because he was very elephant man. It's like his face wasn't well, he, he but was, his his mind was there, and everyone's like, oh, ha, ha. yeah. He was billed as the devil's child, yeah. and then they would just put him in a cage and then rip the mask off to see that he was. But yeah. then, Madame Jiri, like when she was a young ballet dancer visiting from elsewhere. Yeah. Not even musical. though she's French, but but she was visiting from elsewhere, yeah. and she uh, like rescued him after he killed the you know ringleader who was abusing him. Yeah, um, and then she hid him away in the theater. It used to be his playground, but I said the line. It was now his. It should have been his prison. Yeah, but she says now it is his is his artistic domain. Yes, yeah. so. <laughs> not not as eloquent. Not as eloquent. Um, but no. yeah, that's the backstory of the no, Phantom. But Madame Jury is like, fine, Rao, go down to the basements, keep the hand of the love of your eye, Meg, stay here, we don't need you here anymore. Yes. And it's whatever, and then Dan, describe this final scene, what happens? Um, the Phantom <laughs> has brought 
Christine back to his incel cave, and yeah. he is intends you know, to marry. I've decided to marry you. Yeah, he's going to keep her down there forever. She he makes her change into the the wedding dress that he had put on the love doll Christine, um, and you know he's obsessed with like the ring that Raoul gave her, and it's like you know this face is your eternity. You're going to look at it for all time. And it's all very muddled and confusing, and it's it's like you don't love me for who I am, but you you know you you do. So I'm going to torment you and make mm-hmm. you stay here with me. And it, I I okay, you got it. What what else is he supposed to be saying here? Is no, it like that, he, that's he's, it. He's like, oh, I love you. What more do I need? Like, kill your man. And and Christine does seem to come to like, okay, you've poisoned my mind. Yeah. You've you've like this was you've your taught me how to sing, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I don't love you, but she doesn't really get to confront him on that. No. Instead, it's just him whinging. So. Not in this one, and not in the next one neither. Yeah. So then the Phantom is like, Christine, I loved you. He snags Raoul in his Punjab lasso. Because well, Raoul showed up in the dungeons. He, he like, shows up at the gate, and the Phantom lets him in, but then immediately snares him yeah. with the lasso. Mm-hmm. And ties him very loosely, very poorly, to the, the grate of the door. Mm-hmm. So. It's like, I'll kill him. You need to love me. And she's like, oh, well, the beast I loved. Like, like you're a beast. I don't, I don't know what to say here. Yeah. You're not human. You've let it consume you. And then he's like, oh, whatever. And then Christina's like, fine, I'll do this one thing for you. I'll kiss you. I'll give you one human connection that you've been seeking so much. Which is what he's been whinging about. Like, if you break it down, that is what he's like. Oh, no one, I won't know anyone's touch because I'm hideous. And it's... Yeah. But Christine does it and is like, fine, will you let my boyfriend and me go? And he's like, yeah, fine, I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah, like the kiss, like fucking knocks his socks off. Like he, he's like he like stumbles. Oh, like yeah. okay, you go, mm-hmm. you you go, me stay. <laughs> it does uh, honestly, yeah. Flies into the sky to blow up the missile. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but so that ends. They go away. They're singing like a reprise of uh, uh, "All I Ask of You" again, mm-hmm. and he's pissed off. He's like, "Whatever, fine." The she left me now, but whatever. He puts a cape on in the stage show, and then like the the townsfolk show up in the stage show, and then Meg Jury comes in through the the little phantom office, and she holds up the mask, and no one's there. He's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's the mask. I don't know if it was a legend, whatever, but that will tie into your future watch on this podcast. Yes. In this, it's like a fast, a, a fast forward again, and Ralph's just mourning her. Well, and we also see the Phantom get out through a stupid mirror. Yeah, a stupid, yeah. a stupid little hole. Yeah. But that's how it ends. That's it. Yeah, well, Raoul specifically goes to the cemetery to visit Christine's grave. Which may or may not be there. And there's a single rose. Yeah. A rose. With the black ribbon wrapped around it. Yeah. So. Who knows what's going on? The Phantom will return someday. Maybe someday. (laughs) I think. Maybe someday, Dan. But, uh. Woof! What did you think? I think that this has. is one of the more interesting things we've watched for Sinister Six. Oh, really? I do. I do. do. Oh, I legitimately do. More interesting than Gotti? Well. 
Mm, Agati is a worse movie. Mm. Much worse. Mm. This, I think, had some redeeming qualities, but it had so many sloppy qualities that it just kind of offsets anything that could be good about Mm. it. Which is sad. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy the stage show, but not the movie musical. And that's... That's one reason why it's kind of disappointing that it sucks, because it feels like for such like a definitive huge musical for people in recent decades that this would have gotten like all cylinders firing gigantic ass music adaptation, which I guess this is, but they didn't put their whole Andrew Lloyd wussy into it. Oh, there you go. You said just the words. Yeah. Um, I mean, there will be more Phantom to come on this podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Just so you know, uh, Dan has picked the worst. I assume he'll pick the worst I, next time too. Yeah, I, so probably. It, it doesn't matter to me. I know that I have to get this one stacked up in the deck before Dan picks it. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. I do not like this musical. I'm not an Andrew Lloyd Webber stand outside of Evita, which is a great musical, mm-hmm. which we may watch because that movie adaptation is also very bad. You have mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, it's just... I I don't know what to say. I'm a Sondheim fan through and through. I think he does the best stage and screen musicals. You, you've, you, well, you have made that clear, I think. You, it's, you, you've made that clear. It's it's rough, Dan. I don't know what to say. It's not a, it's not a good time. That's why I picked it. No. It, well, no. It's, a, again, that that is my chief complaint, is that it's sloppy, and then it kind of builds to nothing. Mm-hmm. Which, as you have teased, is because there's, you know, they're setting up the Phantom Cinematic Universe oh. before its time. But which won't be good as well. I, I think that that really makes this suffer as its own standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Watch, like, the first 15 minutes on YouTube, and then... <laughs> That'll, that's, that's or all listen to the cast album. Yes, or yeah. that. Yeah. Or just go, I don't know, try to go see it, but somewhere, but yeah. Otherwise, just the first 15 minutes. That's mm-hmm. fine. Well, with that. We done it again. Whew. Well, we got a, a new season ahead of us. Yeah, it's curtains on the old one. Oof. Dan, is there anyone to expect us on anywhere? <laughs> you look so weary, my friend. I'm just so, I'm so tired, Dan. Have I been passing you too much Amadeus? Uh, you know, I've been showing up at your door, passing you medicine. Don't so. you dare <laughs> shout out Amadeus on this podcast without me bringing it here. You look so tired, my friend. Why don't you sleep over there? <laughs> uh, Dan, is there anywhere that our audience can find us on social media? After you finish writing Macbeth 3, of course. Uh, but no, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Dennis, as well as our adjacent Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast, uh, Instagram and Facebook pages. And you can follow me, Jonathan Wojcicki, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on the Twitter, and my other podcasts, including Nightcaps at the Theater and Drink and Read, the podcast. Of course. Yeah, there we did it. But Dan, our Sinister Six has ended for now. Thank God. What can we expect next? Well, as promised, we are starting the next era of anime with something that I think you, me, and all of our listeners could be pretty excited for. Uh, When we last left the JoJo world, uh, you know, Battle Tendency had come to a close, and we had opened on a scene in uh, 1987 in Japan, Mm -hmm. where a mysterious youth named Jotaro Kujo is sitting in a prison cell. He believes that he is being, you know, uh, ensnared by a phantom all his own. What is it? You know, what does his family have any insight into it, perhaps? Uh, could it be that an old evil has returned to the world mm. once again? And that Jotaro and his friends will have to stand up against him? 
we do hope you'll join us as we finally, to, to critical acclaim, begin the next saga, or my next saga of the anime, which is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. This is all I ask of you, audience members. Get those DK bongos ready. My treasure. <laughs> what? You survived? Anime was not a mistake spin-off series? The Sinister Six? Well, there's always next time. <laughs> As you wait with bated breath, remember to rate, review, subscribe, where most podcasts are easily found, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and more. Remember, boils and ghouls, if you enjoyed the hosting by me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, stand-in Cryptkeeper, and the Igor of my eye, Daniel Ryan, support us on social media. And last, but certainly not least, remember to reach out to us on Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod on Instagram, or follow Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast on Facebook. This way, we can continue to make our anime-based dreams come true, and your nightmares a reality. Until we meet again, remember to constantly ask yourself, is anime a mistake? We know for certain that any film with the Sinister Six misnomer is destined for depravity.